Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Wisdom from Above, where we go beyond the reasoning of man to the revelation of God. My name is Dr. Harlan Betts, and we're taking an in-depth look at the ultimate trip, the rapture. Last week, we discovered that the Bible teaches all believers in Jesus Christ will be raptured up into heaven before the tribulation. This view is called the pre-trib rapture view. I believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. The tribulation is a term used to describe the coming seven years of the outpouring of God's wrath upon the earth. Sadly, there are so-called experts who are denying that the rapture will ever take place. George Ladd says, We can find no trace of pre-tribulationism in the early church, and no modern pre-tribulationist has successfully proved that this particular doctrine was held by any of the church fathers or students of the word before the 19th century. John Bray says, People who are teaching the pre-tribulation rapture today are teaching something that was never taught until 1812. Not one of the early church fathers taught a pre-tribulation rapture. Dave McPherson says, Before 1830, Christians had always believed in a single future coming, that the catching up of 1 Thessalonians 4 would take place after the great tribulation of Matthew 24, at the glorious coming of the Son of Man, when he shall send his angels together together, all of his elect. Zach Hunt says, he has an article posted in 2014 with this title. Nobody is getting left behind because the rapture is never, ever going to happen. That's his title. <laughs> he goes on to say, No one in the church has ever even believed in the rapture until the last 200 years or so. So all of these authors are saying the same thing. They're saying that no one has believed in the rapture until the last 200 years. In just a moment... We will see that Zach could not be farther from the truth. But before we go on, I want to respond to another comment Zach Hunt made. He says, and I quote, Rapture appears nowhere in the Bible. I must acknowledge that Zach does admit that the word Trinity is not found in the Bible, and yet he knows and agrees that the Trinity is the truth that is taught in the Bible. He just fails to see the same thing is true of the rapture. You know, I, I wonder if Zach ever stopped to think that no English word appears in the original Bible. Almost every word in the Old Testament is in Hebrew. Almost every word in the New Testament is in Greek. So no English word is ever found in the original text of the Bible. But the Bible has been translated into more languages than any other book ever written and the Greek term harpazo in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, which is translated caught up in the English Bible, is translated rapiamir in the Latin vulcate. The term rapto in Latin, Spanish, and Portuguese means to snatch or catch up or carry off. The derivative term raptor also means to snatch or to carry off. And it is from this Latin word that we get our English word rapture. 
So, in reality, the term rapture is in the Bible. It's just not translated that way in English, but it is translated that way in Latin. And it could be translated in English this way. We shall be raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now I'd like to take some time to respond to the charge that the idea of the rapture was never even heard of until the last 200 years. Because, in fact, the pre-trib rapture has been understood and taught by many Bible teachers throughout the history of the church. Let me share some early support for the pre-trib rapture. The Shepherd of Hermas, written in A.D. 110, after the time of the Apostles, a number of first century writers indicated their belief in the imminence of Christ's return, which is consistent with pre-tribulationism. Clement of Rome, A.D. 35-101, Ignatius of Antioch, who died in 110, the Didache, a late first century anonymous Christian treatise, the Epistle of Pseudo-Barnabas, around A.D. 70 to 130, all reference Christ's imminent return. The apocalyptic fourth vision of the Shepherd of Hermas, A.D. 110, declared that, quote, the elect will escape the great tribulation. Well, that's a pre-tribulation rapture. Back in 110. Irenaeus of Lyon, A.D. 120-202, Irenaeus was a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of the Apostle John. And Irenaeus articulated his eschatological views in Against Heresies, Book 5. First, he referred to Enoch's translation and Elijah's being caught up as previews of the rapture. Second, Irenaeus refers to the church as being caught up before the tribulation. So here's Irenaeus sometime in that third century. He lived between 120 and 202, teaching a pre-trib rapture. Victorinus of Petrovium, who died in 304, Victorian was a bishop in modern Slovenia, martyred during Diocletian's reign. In his commentary on Revelation chapter 6, he writes, And the heaven withdrew as a scroll that is rolled up. For the heaven to be rolled away, that is, the church shall be taken away. Later, while explaining Revelation 15, he writes, And I saw another angel, excuse me, and I saw another great and wonderful sign, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is completed the indignation of God. For the wrath of God always strikes the obstinate people with seven plagues, that is perfectly, as it is said in Leviticus. And these shall be in the last time, when the church shall have gone out of the midst, so he says both that the church would be taken away or snatched off or caught up 
and the church will be gone out of the midst before these plagues that come on the obstinate, these plagues which are the wrath of God. So Victorianists believed the church would be raptured before the breaking of the seventh seal, and therefore before the seven trumpet judgments, and before the seven bold judgments, making him at least a pre-wrath in his eschatology, a pre-wrath rapturist. Ephraim, who lived uh, and wrote in 373, this is most likely St. Ephraim of Edessa, the Syrian, an author and teacher who lived from 306 to 373. Now, uh, some do think it was Pseudo-Ephraim who lived 565 to 627, who wrote under the name Ephraim the Syrian to give his writing more credibility. But I believe it was Ephraim the Syrian who wrote on the last times, the Antichrist, and at the end of the world in AD 373. And Ephraim notes this, and I'm quoting, All the saints and elect of God are gathered together before the tribulation, which is to come, and are taken to the Lord. Wow, it couldn't be more clear. So whether 4th century or 6th century, Ephraim's message is a very, very clear teaching on the pre-trib rapture of the church. Then we jump up to the apostolic brethren. Origen and Augustine were able to turn most of the established church to a belief in all millennialism by around the 5th century. One exception was the apostolic brethren in northern Italy. This new ecclesiastical order eventually numbered in the thousands and held a pre-trib rapture position. In 1316, an anonymous treatise entitled The History of Brother Dolcino articulated some of the beliefs of the Apostolic Brethren. Their leader, Brother Dolcino, believed he and his followers would be taken to heaven and protected from the actions of the Antichrist before later descending back to earth, thus holding to a belief in a pre-trib rapture. That's back in 1316. Then we have William Sherman. Sherwin. Sherwin was a uh, minister at Wallington. He speaks about the rapture. He lived from 1607 to 1687. So this is 17th century. Here's a quote. The saints, at the sounding of that last trumpet at the end of the world, shall be changed in a moment. At the twinkling of an eye, wrapped up to meet Christ in the air. That's exactly what he said. Wrapped up to meet Christ in the air. He even refers to the early church fathers agreeing with him. And he mentioned Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Tertullian, and even Augustine sometimes holding this, but saying they strayed away from it. And now, after hundreds of years, although this truth lay hid for most part in the church, he says, it is now a doctrine really embraced by his faithful people who will doubtless certainly know that upon their rapture to meet Christ, they shall be perfected in glory evermore in heaven. So William Sherwin in the 17th century talked about a pre-trib rapture. Then there's Increase Mather 
who lived from 1639 to 1723. He was a Boston Puritan and father of Cotton Mather. And he wrote this sometime probably in the 17th century. When Christ comes, believers shall see the King in all his glory and shall go with him to the land that is far off. Heaven is the land that is very far off. Christ shall has assured believers it shall be thus. In John 14, 2, He will not go back to heaven and leave them behind. No, they shall sit with him in heavenly places. And later, they shall come down from heaven. They shall be with him when he comes to judge the world. So Increase Mather is teaching a pre-trib rapture back in the 17th century. Then we move to the 18th century with Morgan Edwards. Edwards was an English Edwards was an 18th century author who supported a pre-trib rapture. He was a Baptist pastor from Philadelphia and wrote about the pre-tribulational return of Christ for the church back in 1742. So this is early 18th century. And he had material on this published in his book, Millennium, and his book, in the La- his book, Last Day's Novelties, written in 1788. Also in the 18th century, we have Dr. Thomas Gill. Gill was a famous 18th century theologian. He published his commentary on the New Testament in 1748. In his commentary on 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18, Gill calls the translation of the saints the rapture. And he calls for watchfulness because, as he says, it will be sudden and when least expected. This is a very clear teaching on the imminent pre-tribulational rapture. And this is 18th century. Then we come to the 19th century and we have S.R. Maitland and we have John Darby and others, but these two 19th century authors both supported a pre-trib rapture. Most people seem to know about John Darby. Many think he was the first to teach a pre-trib rapture, or that he invented the idea. But in reality, as we've already seen, Darby was actually very late in the line of people who taught a pre-trib rapture. There are many 20th century authors who supported a pre-trib rapture. I'd like to highlight five. C.I. Schofield, 1909, published the Schofield Reference Bible. Charles Ryrie, 1965, published Dispensationalism Today. John Walvoord, 1955, published the Return of Our Lord. J. Dwight Pentecost, 1958, published Things to Come. And Tim LaHaye, 1998, published Rapture Under Attack. I guess I could go ahead and name one of the many 21st century authors who support a pre-tribulation, and that would be Dr. Harlan Benz. <laughs> yeah, I, I support it. And uh, 
published Setting the Stage for Eternity in 2005. My book has charts that reveal the pre-trib rapture. Okay, I know that was tooting my own horn there, but I do think it's a worthwhile read simply because it is based on the scripture. My friends, you and I are left with two options. Jesus made it crystal clear. He's gone to heaven to prepare a very special place for church-age believers. He's going to return in the clouds to rapture church-age believers off of this planet and to take them back with him to heaven. And those who, in this age, who are not believers will be left behind to go into a time of Jacob's trouble, the time of the wrath of the Lamb, a time of Holocaust like the world has never before seen or experienced, the time of the tribulation. So you and I, my dear listeners, have two options. One, believe in Jesus and be taken up to heaven in the rapture. Or two, ignore Jesus or reject Jesus and be left behind on earth to go into the tribulation. As for me, I've chosen to believe in Jesus. I will go up in the rapture if I'm still alive or be caught up. My body will be caught up if I've already died and gone to heaven. The challenge is clear. Don't be left behind. Jesus said people will be eating and drinking and marrying and going on with life as usual, just as they were in the days of Noah when the flood came. And then suddenly, unexpectedly, millions of people will simply vanish. Millions of phone connections will grow silent on one end. Millions of drivers and passengers will vanish out of their cars. Thousands of pilots and passengers will disappear from their planes. Millions of students will vanish from schoolrooms and homes. Patrons in restaurants and pedestrians on sidewalks will seem to have dematerialized. And panic will penetrate the hearts of those left behind. I can just imagine people watching a professional sports team, seeing a player jump toward a ball and vanish into thin air, his shoes and uniform dropping to the ground on the floor of the arena. Or many other players and many in the stadium will also have disappeared. Their clothes, their shoes, their purses, their food strewn all over the floor and seats of the arena. There will be millions working and some will be taken in the rapture. Others will be left behind. Millions in the school, some taken, others left behind. Million in malls or movies or recreating, some will be taken, others will be left behind. Will you be taken in the rapture? Or will you be left behind? My wife's sisters made a recording of an old folk song for us when we were newly married. And this is how they sang it. I'll just read it. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. A man and wife asleep in bed. She turns her head, he's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. You've been left behind. You've been left behind. You've been left... How about it? 
If Christ were to come right now, would you be left behind? You don't have to be. You can make a decision right now. Place your faith in Christ, believing that He died in your place, paid for your sins, and rose from the dead. Thank you, my friends, for joining me for this episode of Wisdom from Above. We want everyone everywhere to be able to have access to these podcasts. So Wisdom from Above is ad-free and cost-free. Wisdom from Above has been listened to in almost 40 different countries. Most of our listeners are in the United States. But next in line, on Apple and Podcasts and on the web, are in Costa Rica, Haiti, Germany, and Japan. Next in line on Spotify are those in Indonesia, Thailand, Haiti, and Canada. I want to thank you for telling others about Wisdom from Above. I genuinely appreciate what you're doing to help me grow this podcast outreach. Some of you put the podcast on your social media. Some of you have shared various podcasts with your family or with your friends. Thank you. Thank you very much. I look forward to meeting with you again next week as we continue our study of the book of Revelation. Until then, I wish you a great week and God's blessings. Thank you so much for joining me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above.